The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planesockers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk satisfactory and magic. Yep. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? Uh, doing well. Uh, it's Memorial Day. Uh, we both have the day off, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty unusual for us. We don't typically, speaking, have days off together. Um, still have to work tomorrow on our normal day off, so we decided to record a day early. Uh, so given that that's the case, uh, if there's crazy magic news that comes out on Tuesday. Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it depends. There's a critical mass of craziness. If it's just kind of crazy, that's fine. Other podcasts will cover it. If it's insane... If Wizards of the Coast burns to the ground, we'll probably have a podcast episode. (laughs) Or if they burn one of our formats we care about to the ground. Yeah, if there's a huge thing, we'll be back in here tomorrow recording. But probably going to get our episode recorded on Monday and uh, get out. I might put out early. Maybe I'll put it out on Wednesday. We'll, we'll cross yeah. the bridge when we get there. But yeah, uh, just like you, I've pretty much just been playing Satisfactory. We are slowly, like, baby stepping our way into mm-hmm. nuclear power. Now we now have one section of our base that you you can't is, go to. You can't go to. It's just full of radiation. Yep. Uh, and I found that out earlier. I barely. I'm like yeah. chugging the the healing items. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like like you were saying when you get so the stuff a lot of stuff's radioactive, and yeah. if you get kind of close to it, it like. It'll take like a tenth of a bar of health. You have like twelve bars of health, and it'll take like a tenth. It'll like tick, tick, yeah, tick. But if you get like three steps closer, it'll start taking like half a health, half a bar, half a bar. Yeah, <laughs> you start dying really quickly. So I was like, "Ooh, what's going on over here?" And like the radius for the re- radiation is big. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually bigger than I kind of thought it would be. Um, not that I know anything about radiation. For all I know, it's perfectly accurate. Yeah. But it, like the bubble of danger that you're in from the radiation is pretty big. So I was like, oh, well, this radiation must not be that big of a deal if I'm like get, taking damage. And I got to the storage of the the fuel cells, and I was like, I'm like, oh crap, I got to get out of here. So I'm like running and like falling through the air, sucking down the inhalers to heal myself. Yeah, I got. I went ahead and got a whole train loop. It, it, it's meant to be as automated as possible because you can't be near any of this crap. So yeah. I got a whole train loop that runs just to nuclear power, just to the uranium deposits. Matt has to do his part and actually build the stuff that makes the uranium fuel rods and then the power plants. Yeah. And then we have to build something to do with the nuclear waste because as is real, well, I think this pumps out a little bit more than you're supposed to get, but like they pump out barrels of nuclear waste that mm-hmm. you just can't do anything with and you also can't be near. Yeah, and you're not allowed. So in the game they have what are called awesome sinks, which is where uh it's it, an it's, it's a, a machine. Trash can. Yeah, it's a it's a machine that you feed extra shit into. It breaks it down, you get coupons, you can spend them for unlocks and whatnot, but eventually it just boils down to a trash can. You can't awesome sink nuclear waste. Nope. Like it stays in the world until it's either processed or covering the entire world and kills you. Yeah. So <laughs> you have to do something with it. You have to do something with it. Um, now, the world is pretty big. Yeah. And we're probably going to start very small just to like work <laughs> yeah. out the mechanics the, of this. The, the current plan is to just build a huge off site dump. Yep. And just put stuff there for That's now. where it goes. Well, because just... once you get to the next level, you, you start making plutonium. And you make plutonium out of nuclear waste. Yeah. So the the game has a thing to do with it, but to get enough power to ramp up the production to get there, we're probably gonna have to have a few 
a few landfills of nuclear yeah, waste or a shit ton of fuel generators <laughs> yeah so that's what the uh, that'll be really good for the uh, drone ports we'll yeah, get a yep get a drone port built and send that shit out there yeah and, and to be fair we don't know the actual rate at which it produces waste yet uh, i haven't actually built one and looked at it one <laughs> i've only seen the youtube videos of people joking that their world is now ruined because yeah. they have too much nuclear waste yeah they build like 100 nuclear power plants get it going turn it on and then they don't do anything with the waste and uh-huh. the entire thing just fills up and it's like f- conveyor belts full of nuclear waste and you can't even go in there in your whole base without a hazmat suit and shit like that so um that's what we're trying to avoid yep so we have to kind of like piecemeal this shit out so that we don't brick our surfer (laughs) like it's gotten to the point like i'm i'm very considered like we probably should but i'm seriously considering just downloading the file as like a save and then just at least we've made it to this point in case we just do something horrible we can we're at least like right back here um i don't think we'll mess it up that bad and i kind of like the idea of not having a safety net oh yeah but i mean well, the, the world is literally big enough. The idea that we couldn't just, like, move everything yeah. to a new... Like, just make a bunch of stuff and then make a move stuff somewhere else and do it again is yeah. now a big deal. But, but yeah, that's what I've been doing, uh, other than just taking care of the house. That's also what I've been doing, is yeah. uh, playing a lot of Satisfactory. My wife is not happy about it. Yep, I think we both mowed the lawn today. Yep. Got the backyard I mowed, done. Mowed the lawn. I vacuumed. I cleaned some stuff up in the kitchen that my wife asked me. My dad came home. Uh, I live with my dad. He lives with me, sort of. He yeah, basically he, he lives with you. He That's basically, very much. Yeah, well, he he doesn't. He's got a new girlfriend, wife. Well, I mean, as far as the dichotomy there, whether you're living with him yeah, in his no, house okay. or I, he's living, he my, definitely lives with you. My wife and I bought a house, and he stores a lot of stuff there. So he has yeah. motorcycles there. He has a room there that before he met his current girlfriend slash wife will be marrying soon. But so he stopped in to grab some mail and we chit chatted for an hour or two. And I really had a lot of fun talking to him. I don't get to see my dad very often because he found a new family in Indianapolis. It's okay. He doesn't listen to this. Yeah. He's just setting up franchises. But he found uh, his new, I call his wife. His new wife has a grand, has grandbabies that she's always taking care of. And so he helps take care of them. And they're always posting tons of pictures. And that's always tease him is like, oh, upgraded to a new family, huh? Yep. Got a newer model. Well, I mean, he, he had one family and he raised them and they turned out all right. That's and debatable. now he, I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say good. Yeah. <laughs> adequate. Adequate. <laughs> yes, very the, adequate. The, the word we use to describe a lot of things. And so now he's just, he's moved on. Yep. <laughs> he's going to do it again. Just do it again. He's built his first factory and he's got to. Correct. Go offsite and build another one. But it was cool to get to see him. I like, I like getting to chit chat with him. He does photography. He's actually really good at photography. Mm-hmm. He is a, uh, he does he drives semi wreckers, so he goes and tra- he basically transports semis around the country. But he also has a secondary business where he does professional photography. So like he's doing a big order for the company he works for, doing like I think a, like a lot of their buildings nationwide, doing like office spaces, making pictures and prints for office spaces. Yeah, gotcha. remember Aaron from the trucking side? Yeah, yep. He's a, very similar to him. Self taught, yep. runs his own. Uh, I don't think he's quite that far because I remember Aaron bought like a. $5,000 giant printer that comes on a pallet. Oh, My wow. Dad hasn't done that yet. Fair enough. But yeah, he's a he's a pretty impressive photographer. I'm actually trying to talk him into starting up a podcast of his own. He wants to do, he wants to teach photography. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, we talked about today, he's really bad, like he doesn't have very good communication skills, but he's he he does fine conversationally. So I'm like, we should do, we, we could even do a video cast, but we could just do a video cast and I'll just talk to you about cameras and whatnot and I'll, and he'll, 
I'm trying to get I'm trying to get him to do a podcast, trying to get my wife to do a podcast. Now that I know how to do it, it's fucking fun. Well, and it's it's not nearly as difficult as it kind of seems if you know nothing about it at all. Yeah, when you know, and, well, and you have nothing. That's right. the part of it is like I'm sitting in my living room and I'm like I'm sitting around four hundred dollars worth of microphones and computers like. All of a sudden, a, a, a recording just doesn't seem that like that big of a deal. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you want to record? We can go into a room. I need to build a couple panels, but once I get the panels in there, like we can go record a podcast right now with the things I have. Yeah, and I can edit it in like half an hour, forty minutes, and put it up. Yep. So it's a uh, definitely been a learning experience. You've handled a lot, probably I would say ninety five percent of the production um, mm-hmm. of our podcast. But just like watching you do it, even then, I'm just like, oh, like. It's something you could very easily pick up yep, it just within time. your first few episodes. You just have to be committed to doing it right. Yep. And that's that's one of the things we stressed about. Like that's one of the things like we recorded our first episode and I listened to it and I was like, that's not gonna work. Yeah, it's not good enough. <laughs> so well, like we're I gonna to, either do this right or we're not gonna do it. I talked to dad about it and so like the panels is a great example where we wanted to sound treat this room and we looked at the we 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 were willing to spend like five hundred dollars and that like wasn't going to do a great job. Yeah. And we spent like two weeks like researching foams and densities and why is this better than that and found a way to make our own for way less. And But like it took like two weeks. I mean, I've spent multiple weeks and uh, I mean. And that's just to figure out how to do it. Then yeah. you had to build the things. Then, I, then, then I, we then had I, to build them I'd and hang them. and Lost two weekends building them and I've spent by aggregate weeks and weeks and weeks learning like basic editing on the internet i've talked i have a i have a friend of mine I, travis parsley on the legacy pit is a sound guru and we've spent a lot of time talking back and forth on like mic quality and recording software and tools and tips and tricks and he's done some analysis for us and like it takes time but it's also the knowledge is free yeah the knowledge is there and it's it's free to get with youtube and whatnot which is where most of ours came from but it takes time and then it takes a little bit of money to slowly get started. But once you're started, now it's just like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Let's do a podcast. Come to my let's record a podcast. Right. Or just anything. Stream. I mean, yeah. like we're probably a stone so I know you've done some of it, but like within a weekend we could set my basement up to record on Twitch. Oh yeah, for sure. Like from where we're at now. Like, yeah, we could get some nice cameras in here and oh yeah, for sure. So. I'd like to I was um hopefully people got to see that I was on uh, Eternal Dirtles with Zach Clark. And he was talking about they need to get they're looking at getting DSLRs for recording, which is what most people use anymore. They don't use webcams; they use like a camera. Yeah, I'd love to get one of those to start doing because like it just I, we used our phones for a lot of it because our phones your phone has pretty good camera in it. Well, your phone does. Well, yeah, my phone does. <laughs> but I realized like I bought my webcam when it was a really good webcam for the time. It was like a 1080p high definition good webcam. And I used that as like a backup, and I used my phone like on like like tied to something to give me a good visuals for my face. Holy shit! I even used I was using the front facing of my phone. I wasn't even using the back. Yeah, and it was infinitely better than my nice webcam. Yeah, like it's just crazy how bad technology is compared to our phones. Yeah, I mean you can shoot from what I understand. I I've got a six year old phone, so yeah, I don't you know. Can't. I don't keep up with like the next gen phone mm-hmm. stuff but you can what shoot in 4k now on your a phone a lot of phones can i think i, I think mine can I, I think i have a s20 or s21 whatever but yeah you can yeah you can record really good i've stuff got the solid phone. 480p yeah <laughs> it's not quite that bad but matt it's... matt has to click the camera button and then it goes 
takes a little while. But it's also free, sort of. At well, this it's point. paid for. It's well at this point, it's basically free because yeah. most people, if you replace your phone every two years, I've had my phone for six years. Yep. So well, yeah, it'll I, be six in all. Once I get mine paid off, I usually get a new one. That's I yeah. get. I do the eighteen month. My pants a little higher, but then I usually get, I'll get like four or six months of no payment, and then I'll upgrade to a new phone. I try and keep every two years get a new one. Yep. Because it's uh, it's nice having nice things, Matt. Mine's basically a Reddit machine at this Matt, point. Matt has a old crappy phone. Next to his old crappy laptop, next to his good but outdated microphone. Oh yeah, <laughs> how old's that mouse? Uh, this mouse is relatively new. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I think we got. I don't remember when I got this. I think I got this one. So it's a couple years old. Yeah, but it's like fine. it's yeah. That's just funny. It's old and outdated. Old and outdated. Well, nice but outdated. If you want a perfect example of what we're talking about, the desk I'm sitting at was my desk in high school. <laughs> I graduated in 2004. God. <laughs> So. That's what I'm working with, guys. Hey, it works. It holds up a laptop. All right. We've gone, I think we've rambled long enough. So before we get started today, I do want to give a big shout out to, first and foremost, our patrons. We've got Rambling Rogue. Uh, we've got Empra, Joe, and Derek. Joe and Derek from the Family Gathering podcast. Podcast we always recommend everyone check out where they run it with their kids. But we appreciate you guys more than you understand. It, uh, it means so much that you take a really active step every month in helping support us. The other people that help support us are the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, Will and Aramis. You can find them Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv forward slash Planestalkers Podcast. And then their podcast is available pretty much everywhere ours, ours is, like all the apps. But Monday, you'll get your standard-oriented podcast, which is everything you need to know about standard and magic news. And then Wednesday is their live play, Commander Craft, where you can either watch them play or if you hop onto the Discord, discord.planestalkerspodcast.com. Even hop in a game. It's pretty easy because Will's always super excited to get new people playing with him. Alrighty, Matt, how's Legacy looking? Um, well, the past couple weeks it's looked better. This particular challenge, um, if there's anybody on the anti-Delver hate train, doesn't look great. Uh, the top eight is kind of weird, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but Delver did win. But that's good though. Like weird top eights are cool when like when you have different top eights here and there. That's pretty neat. And it's not bad. It's just kind of weird. And Delver's less than sixty percent of the overall meta. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So like not bad. A little weird. Um, and the one thing I really want to dig deep in is to what this. So we always go over the meta game summary. Uh, other is consist the other categories. Yeah. Con- 25% I would really like to I probably should have gone over that before we started recording but like I'm curious as to what that is um, so we'll see as well, we go through it I mean just looking at it I've already seen four uh, Blood Moon Stompy decks Yeah, but, and they're just, but they're just labeled as R so I mean like we've got eight eight decks that are considered as unother. I mean I'm looking at four decks that are just Blood Moon decks yeah, or and it doesn't Stompy. look like um, black uh, Mono Black Depths is on the list either? Yeah, so, so it's probably that. Like this other MTG Goldfish has gotten a little worse in the last like four months of labeling things. Like the other is getting broader and broader. Yeah. So what came in first? Ocean Soul ninety two brought it home with Blue Red Delver. Yay! Delver hasn't won a challenge in like it's two been, months. It's been a minute. I will say. Um, this looks like a standard list. We don't want to spend too long on it, but I do want to. It is the deck that won. Hey, it's only got one Mistress Bubble, <clears> not two. It. Right? <laughs> the innovation is... <laughs> look at the spice. Uh, two main deck, Pyroblast, a Chain Lightning, a Brazen Borrower. Uh, doesn't look like there's... 
every day we step closer to vintage and just start running four mainboard pyroblasts. Right. Um, the sideboard, I wouldn't call it spicy, but it's got some weird, not weird, but like interesting choices. Uh, two Narset of the Veil, something like that card's everywhere. It is. Um, a three, it's couple interesting, counterbalances. Interesting to see three mana permanence in Delver. Right. Uh, especially three mana non-threat permanence. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, Narset just doesn't kill your opponent, um, which is pretty important. But Merktide carries a lot of that weight. Yep, so, two counterbalance yeah. is interesting. You and two price of progress. Price of progress Delver is coming back. Popping into a control. Like, that's a control card. And how often do you see Delver sitting down and going, I'm the control deck? Right. So, it's just an interesting sideboard. Nothing yep. we haven't seen before in other decks. Uh, this particular combination of cards in the sideboard is probably fairly unique, mm -hmm. but not necessarily... Like, I've seen Delver decks with counterbalance in the side. I've seen them with Narset in the side. Like, this is... This is kind of a grindier um, sideboard than a grindy, more control-oriented mm -hmm. sideboard. So, but just a little interesting. Delver starting to try and go over it. Or Delver is continuing to go over itself. Yeah. You've got these mirror matches coming in. You have to be prepared for Delver mirrors, and you need to go over the Delver and the mirror. Although, I mean, that might be a leftover with Delver slowly working its way down in MetaShare compared yeah. to the... 25 to 28 percent we were seeing you know a couple right. months ago yeah now it's currently only about 15 and a half percent so i mean whatever <laughs> it's an improvement and i'm not going to that's one of the things i refuse to do is like we were on the band delver hype train yep if the meta shifts to the, so that doesn't need to happen then i'm no longer on that train yeah i'm i'm way less deterred from playing legacy right now just like the the challenge is looking good i've already heard that like in um, leagues, Delver wasn't as big a thing because I guess it wasn't as fun to play, so people weren't playing it as much. Um, but especially now that it's starting to like work its way down in MetaShare and challenges, especially like Legacy's looking a little more fun to step back into, where I'm not gonna have to be playing around days every single game. Right. Uh, next up, we've got this uh that blue black Kappa Cannoneer deck. It's not quite eight cast. Mono um, blue Echo. That's yeah. what I'm calling this. With the the two plague engineers in the side, which makes it technically a blue black deck, according to MTG Goldfish. Um, but the yeah, mono blue echoes. The deck literally cannot produce black mana other than Lotus Petal. It's got the artifacts, but yeah. no lands. Mox Opal and Petal. Yeah, and hopefully you're not Lion's Eye diamond diamonding for it. But you could technically produce black mana with the you Lion's could Eye. Produce diamond. black mana and then echo into it. Yeah. Yeah. In theory. In theory. But yeah, yeah. This is a this is an interesting take on the. I mean. It, can't say eight cast i guess because it's not eight cast but these like mono blue artifact decks where you're leveraging psi and emery to get tons of advantage and uh hull breacher is a good little stacks piece and kappa cannoneer to just kill your opponent in two turns yep and then you've got the uh karn with mycosynthlatus in the side mm -hmm. um ensnaring bridge in the side as well you got basically your typical karn suite in the side so again not quite eight cast definitely plays a different game than eight than eight cast but that Kappa Cannoneer is still probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting for yeah, this deck. For sure. For sure. Uh, a total of three unlicensed hearse. One in the main, two in the side. That it's card, kind of cool. Well, that card... <clears throat> I'm glad I bought mine. Not only is it seeing a ton of play in a lot of decks just because of the nature of the card, but I think that card single-handedly is what's knocking Delver down a peg. It probably is. It's I didn't think about it, but it's just such a good main deckable threat that just keeps Merktide and DRC reasonable. Reasonable. Yeah. It makes you actually have to work for them. That's a really good card. I'm it, really... It's a very well designed card. Yeah. 
Um, and the, the interesting thing is like, typically speaking, I don't like powerful colorless cards, especially when they're very broad, yeah. but I don't mind them as much when they're answers, mm-hmm. um, which that primarily is. Yeah. It's also it a is, threat. It is a threat, but it's primarily an answer, at least as insofar as like the way it's played in legacy. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're playing it because graveyards are a problem. Mm-hmm. If grades, graveyards weren't a problem, there are probably just better threats to play. Yep. I agree with that. Um, but it's, it's, it's so strong in that, like it just. It does just passively grow pretty much every turn because you can also hit yours. You can hit yeah. your stuff if you need yeah, to. As long as the game is being played, it's yeah. getting bigger. And then just it, it turns into quickly just a swing for lethal. Yeah. So I love that card. I think it's done wonders for legacy. Uh, not only is it the like the most splashable sideboard card ever, mm-hmm. but it also between that and Fable of the Mirror Breaker kicked uh, Red Prison back into the fold, which uh, Prismatic Ending had kind of pushed out. And like when prismatic ending showed up, red prison went down. And while it's not a one to one correlation, um, blue red Delver also was really spiking at that. When like red prison is blue red Delver's like yeah, I mean it's it's its, it's nemesis so to absolutely. speak. Absolutely, like the deck that's going to go turn one chalice or turn one trinisphere. Yeah, good luck. Uh, yeah, that that just pones Delver so hard. Yeah, so and, yeah, that coming back up being a little bit of a resurgence again it doesn't have to take over the meta mm-hmm. but it has to be something that delver has to respect mm-hmm. has to build its sideboards a little differently can't go all in and then you do occasionally just get curb stomped by a blood moon <laughs> yeah exactly dude well, look at this fourth place list mono black depths there is there's some very interesting fourth place lists uh third though is elves it's reclaimer elves so it's not quite the list i play but i'll take it oh so it's good elves yeah basically <laughs> anymore you still yeah. see nettle sentinel elves i think reclaimer elves is just in the current meta is just probably the better call yeah i think i as someone who doesn't play elves but has watched a lot of elves be played it's just like the flexibility and end game potential of reclaimer doesn't shake a stick or sorry nettle says nettle cysts nettle cyst nettle sentinel has a hard time shaking a stick at the end game potential of Elvish Reclaimer. Yeah, and the one of the big things that I like about Nettle Sentinel more is you you get more free wins. It's basically the I think the ceiling, the absolute ceiling is probably higher with Nettle Sentinel as far as the deck goes. Mm-hmm. But you can reduce the ceiling just a little bit and have a very consistent plan without sacrificing too much power and you get a ton of flexibility. So like you know what was I'm in my opinion was a very very tough nail in the coffin of Nettle Sentinel was probably Prismatic Ending and Unholy Heat. Like, there's just there's just so many more main deckable removal spells that yep. like the odds that so if Nettle if Nettle Sentinel comes in and lives for two turns he might have swung for a couple but he didn't do a lot unless you went off. If Elvish Reclaimer lives for two turns and then dies he did a lot. Yep, and that's that might be the. The important difference for these yeah it's again it's a lot of that is like i just love playing the deck as trying to win as often as possible on turn or two turn two or three matt you're leaving like a solid half a percent on the table so now don't get me wrong these guys are putting up results and doing top eighting tournaments and i'm not like but the other thing to keep in mind that a lot of players like if i was a new elves player i would run nettle sentinel until you know the ins and outs of the deck and the meta, I think Reclaimer's gonna you're you're going to be playing worse with Reclaimer because your decision trees just blow mm-hmm. up. Where it's just like, 
when do I get Bajuka Bog? <laughs> do yeah. I spend a turn getting Bajuka Bog? I, or do I try to go for the win here? Like what? Like you get so many more decision trees and Elves is already one of the more pop complicated decks to play mm-hmm. and execute well in Legacy that I don't know if a new Elves player should like I would buy them both because the difference in price is cheap. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, Elvish Reclaimer is a $10 card. When we're talking in Legacy terms. <laughs> <laughs> the i mean the the difference in the total deck price is probably a hundred bucks yeah so like you get them both and then once you've learned how to play the deck well and you know the meta well then you can pivot back and forth based on what you think you're going to be mm-hmm. playing against but i would not try to learn the deck with reclaim realms gotcha like especially like i don't know there's just there's just a lot more going on that's just my input yeah you know do whatever the heck you want to do I mean, the flip side of that would be why are you wasting time learning a deck that's not, you're not actually going to be playing it, but there's a lot of, just a lot of, you'll probably see better early results. Yeah. And the deck's not going to, the deck's probably not going to play incredibly different when you have Elvish Reclaimer. You just have those situations where you should have lost, but don't because you have Elvish Reclaimer. Well, your, your approach to the, your approach to the, the, each individual game is going to be slightly different. Mm -hmm. So like with Nettle Sentinel, you're, like that card is in there. Yes, it's a decent beater, but it's in there for Heritage Druid and to go off with Glimpse Chains. Like that's fundamentally mm-hmm. what it's there for. So like when you take that out, your Glimpse Chains get worse. Yeah. So you had to you had to use Glimpse differently. Like you you're like you had to use it differently. You probably had to wait longer for it. On average, you're going to get a guy's cradle more with Reclaimer, and that mm-hmm. goes a long way. That's but you had to wait for that. That's the draw. That's the draw, but you have to wait for that because the guy's cradle comes into play tap. Mm-hmm. So you're going turn one, reclaimer, turn two, in theory, if you're just trying to power it out, sacrifice the thing, get the, yeah, the but cradle. Then your cradle's pretty bad because right. you've only got... Because you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So you just have the one reclaimer. So like you, it really does push your game plan back further. That's a good point. So not saying it's the worst deck, but just the game plans are... I just think substantially different. Whichever one you're playing is probably the worst deck. That's 100% true. (laughs) (laughs) So that's enough about elves. Um, This list, it's the standard reclaimer list. Yeah, Um, There's nothing super spicy in here. Um, The one thing I'm pretty sure we've talked about it, elves has consistently been running snuff out on the side, which uh, snuff out's a four mana instant. If you control a swamp, you can lose pay for life instead of its casting cost and destroy target non-black creature. Can't be regenerated. So Barry, <laughs> no, I mean that's in there for like Merc- it's, it's, it's in there for everything, but Merc- it's been errated. Yeah, so um, there is. Let's let's hop to the sixth place list, which is also elves because there's a little difference. There's a very minor difference, and I think it'll show better if we just com- if we just compare them one to one. Sure. There's one or two cards I saw that are blatantly different. So this sixth place elf list running Progenitus in the main. Yeah, that's a weird decision. That to me screams of like. Almost in, like, the only reason you do that is you plan on just not playing against combo decks. Like, that's that's what you're betting on. Mm-hmm. So you're like, because, like, Progenitus is horrible against most combo decks. Yeah. Um, assuming you get the natural order to resolve, which most combo decks are blue, mm-hmm. assuming you get it to resolve, then you still have a two-turn clock. Yep. And most of the combo decks in Legacy can straight up Easily. Beat. I mean, a Murktide is borderline Murktide borderline races progenitus at this point. Uh, yeah, a lot of times it will. So like a lot of board states, you'll be outraced by a eight eight nine nine. I mean, it's not hard to make your Murktide ten ten. Right. So that progenitus in there for me, I know we just said Murktide races it, but like no one, 
typically speaking, is planning on beating that in, uh-huh. in game one. So you're kind of getting that surprise factor there. Um, whether or not that's better than the second Crater Hoof or the Archon of Valor's Reach. Mm-hmm. Which um, this list also runs in the side. That we yeah. didn't, we, was they're typically swapped. Completely. Well, they're abs- it's absent entirely from the other list. Yeah. So we had no Archon at all, and we have Progenitus in the side. This list, we have one Crater Hoof, one Progenitus in the main, and then the Archon on the side. It's not, obviously, I mean, this is, we're nitpicking, but it's, these pilots are planning their game ones very differently. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And I said, to those those differences will pull out best if we do them one-to-one. Um, This is something I heard Julian say. I don't want to steal his joke without giving him credit. Uh, Progenitus has hidden text on it that it is also your commander. Yep. So it will always be in your yeah. opening hand. You'll always, <laughs> so... or, well, either you'll be in your opening hand or you'll draw it the turn before you cast. Right. Natural order. Yeah, it's it's just one of those cards, like, I actually hate running it. I wish there was a better card to replace mm-hmm. it. I'm not even convinced it's that good anymore. Because, like, it's, the reason it was good, fundamentally, is it could beat Swords to Plowshares decks. Mm-hmm. Like, because Swords to Plowshares decks, typically speaking, also ran Terminus. So, like, what it did was it prevented them from, um, you could go wide, force a Terminus, and then, like, natural order out of Progenitus. Mm-hmm. Yes, they could proge- Terminus again, but, like... Back in the day before, they just, all that took was fetching a Mystic Sanctuary. Right. So, you're running that on the... And at that point, you're giving them two turns. You're like, okay, yep. well, if you can set up a Terminus again in two turns, good, go for it. But, mm-hmm. but like, it gives you a, a way to attack for something and then pivot. Now... Nobody's running Terminus, Mm-mm. but they've got like um, Swords and Prismatic Ending. Mm-hmm. So like this card's probably better against Control Decks than it's ever been, but it's also like... Well, it's well, the Control Decks are also usually running Dress Down. Right. Which, which means it's a 10-10. It is tricky, <laughs> but like it's to me it's just the Swords decks aren't very popular, and it's this Progenitus to me is just not that good against Delver anymore. Mm-hmm. It just isn't fast enough. So, and a lot of people, I, this is one thing I almost never did, and I may have been wrong at the time, but I maintain it's, like, I don't cut my natural, I don't, I almost never side out natural order. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of the best cards in the deck. It's also one of the worst cards in the deck. Yep. But it's, it's just, if you're taking out your natural orders, which is a lot of people's go-to move against Delver because of Force Will, like, getting your natural order Force Willed is backbreaking. It really sucks. Four mana and a creature... You're not. You don't even have the advantage of them like forcing your thoughtsies and you hemmed them. It's like we're even on cards, and I'm down four mana. Yep, that's backbreaking. Pretty rough. And then it's just not even that good of a creature anymore. Yeah, it's, like, it's just that. <laughs> like, like you said, it's that. It just it doesn't. It doesn't win the game. Yeah, it's slightly better than Merktide. Yeah, you don't see that, and no one scoops to a Progenitus anymore because no. it's it's. I shouldn't say no one, but it's beatable. It is beatable, especially in the upper echelons of Legacy and the the decks that it was really good against were decks um, like uh, Maverick, like Fair decks, especially, again, Fair decks that ran single-targeted removal. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that 1K I won, I had planned around this, but like it was just like I just got Progenitus out, and the guy was like, oh, had you done anything else, I would have beat... It's like, yeah, dude, I know. Yeah, that's... Like, I know nothing in your deck can beat Progenitus. That's the way I, I raced to Progenitus. Right, he just leapfrogs up into plan A. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't care about going wide. I don't. Yeah. I just want to land Progenitus, and this game's over in two turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's... But that's not the case oh, anymore. If you'd done anything else, I could have won. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's why I did this one. <laughs> yeah, that's why I did this one. So, like, I, I personally... 
I don't think I would ever main deck Progenitus, but I also haven't come top eight at a challenge like this. Yep. But I don't play online either, so there's that. Uh, next up, after the 20-minute rant about elves, uh-huh. we've got fourth and fifth with very similar mono-black lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are mono-black depths lists, and looks They're- like one of the primary cards they swapped was like vampire or uh, opposition agent for sudden edict. Yep. That to do that the biggest like main main board switch around to lose out on some really good removal. Some of the best removal we've seen from Mono Black in yeah. exchange for in my opinion, a three mana clunky three two that might catch your opponent. Yeah. I think Sudden Edict is way better than Opposition Agent. There's a non zero number of games where Sudden Edict is worse because they're not running creatures, but if you've been watching Legacy for the last six months, like Legacy is a creature format. Yeah. And that's because the first 15 years of Magic, Wizards printed some of the most broken spells imaginable. And for the last seven years of Magic, we have been slowly producing more and more and more incredibly, incredibly broken creatures. Yep. And Legacy has become like the idea of mainboarding 10 removal spells is not unheard of like it was 10 years ago for Legacy. So I think I value the sudden edicts over the opposition agents. In the current meta, I think I'm right there with you. Um, I could see a a split or putting some opposition agents in the side or something like that, where you give yourself the option of do I want to beat creature decks or do I want to attack combo. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also got four main deck duress and thoughtseize. Yeah. So like your combo matchup's I not horrible. I do want to say that eight discard spells in the main. Yeah. One mana discard spells. So like the opposition, the flip side is opposition agent is a threat, and there are games where that's also going to matter. It's clunky, yeah. but there's there's you know there there is some give and take here. I do think you're correct, it, at least as far as like if I was playing this deck, I would probably run the uh, sudden edicts over the opposition agent. Yep. I don't know what else you'd run in their spot. Um, it is worth mentioning the other creatures I guess they chose to run because yeah. the mono black depths is a little little less common. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go over the whole thing. Uh, we've got Dark Confidant. These are four ofs. The deck is almost full of four ofs. Uh, Dark Confidant, Darthoth, Dothy Voidwalker, which is a two mana, three two with shadow. If a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, instead exile it with a void counter on it, and then you can sacrifice it to get cards back. The, you do have sacrifice. Yeah. Um, Vampire Hexmage. Two 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 one for our two mana two one for first strike with first strike uh, you can sacrifice it and remove counters that's there for your uh, dark depths that's just the yep. A B combo there opposition agent screws with people searching for yep. stuff you it it'll let you basically control them for their yeah. search and take their stuff three two flash for three uh, then you got dark ritual to power out some of these broken three drops especially or do you know something like void walker thoughtsies mm-hmm. or uh, um. Vampire Hex Mage, Thoughtseize, yep. stuff like that. Expedition map to find the uh, Dark Depths or Thespian stage, whichever one you need. Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle's interesting. Wasteland. Wasteland, yeah, I guess. And you're running Urza Sagas. Yeah. So you get to Urza Saga out Pithing Needle to protect your protect your yeah. uh, combo for Wasteland. On, on top of, Pithing it Needle hits a lot of stuff. There's a bunch of Planeswalkers and whatnot. It's not a bad card. It's just, it's honestly kind of... Pithing Needle to me screams, I'm definitely playing mono black because there's just not any other cards for me to run. Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. is why it's a four of instead of like a, a one of for it's the an uh, okay card, but yeah. it's probably not a four of card unless you're only playing black. Right. Because there's, I mean, that's one of the downsides of Legacy currently and just 
modern card design in general is black just hasn't been Mm-mm. great for a while. Black it, is the new green. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the sign? And green is the new blue. Yeah. <laughs> and blue is. is the new red. Uh, and white see, still sucks. <laughs> white still sucks. Uh do you see in the side they had the helm obedience and leyline combo, both four full four of Yep. So the sides uh you've got another combo in there. The nice thing is if I'm reading it correctly, Helm of Obedience also combos with Dothy Voidwalker. It looks like the Voidwalker is in a replacement effect, not a trigger. Oh yeah, it would. So it would do the same thing. So you technically have eight ley lines. Yes. For your helms. Yeah. And uh wasn't one of these running Maybe it wasn't. Was it was the second one running the Karn? Yes. Um uh in the side. It's a different Karn though. It's the one oh, with the silver tokens. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the wrong Karn. I thought it was a I saw Karn because I thought that'd be a cool like you you'd have access to your Helm of Obedience in the first in game one, but that's just not true, so ignore me. Well and then like just looking at it again, if we're just critiquing these decks, I would almost rather have Karn than Opposition Agent. Like I don't know if I'd yeah. rather have Karn than Sudden Edict, but I would definitely probably rather have Karn than Opposition. Agent. Isn't that Karn the one that makes Karnstrucks? Uh, that's the Karn that makes Karnstrucks. I would rather have the one that gets stuff out of your sideboard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that you can animate an artifact. Yeah. It turns off activated abilities of artifacts, and it uh tutors up yeah. the sideboard. Yep. So wishes. Yeah. So like, if I was gonna do that, I would have two or three Karns in the main. Probably throw a Mycosynth Lattice in the side as well, because mm-hmm. there's no reason not to. And then uh, you could have your like your helm as a fetchable thing. So you could like pivot around, because I mean, that's fundamentally what this deck is. It's a mono-black AB combo deck. Yep. Yeah, it's just tons of disruption to stop from losing, some removal usually to stop from losing, and trying to get the combo out to yeah. make a 2020 and swing with it. Yep. Or to mill them out, or whichever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like it's make just the combo happen. Make the combo happen. Live long enough for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So, love to see it. Oh, another big thing: the price on this deck so. is nine hundred to twelve hundred dollars. Yep. Uh, a nice, solid, very powerful deck under a thousand dollars, under eleven hundred dollars. Yep. Which the thing is, if you unless you're brand new to Magic, you probably have some of these cards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like Thoughtseize is expensive again. Right, Thoughtseizes are back up to like twenty bucks a piece. Those yeah. used to be like eight. Yeah, so like if you you know if you just come from Modern or Legacy, you probably are Modern oh or Pioneer. You probably have Thoughtseizes. In what world is Dark Confidant a thirty five dollar card? People just don't want to sell them because that card is all. That card is as good of of a card as Black is a good of a color in the format. Like Dark yeah. Confidant's a very, very powerful card. Black just kind of sucks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so like people, it's it's kind of like Liliana the Veil. Like people use the term price memory, and I don't really like price memory because it just brings in economics, and I just a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know what they're talking about there. The big thing is people just don't want to sell these cards because they're predicting in the future they're going to be playable. Yeah. They go, this was playable in the past. It was broken in the past. Yeah. Like. At some point, it's going to be broken again, It'll and I don't want to have to rebuy them. I, mean, that's, I didn't sell my Thought Seizes. I yep. sold a lot of my Black Red Reanimator deck. I kept my Thought Seizes because yep. like, this card's just too good to sell. Correct. And I'm glad I kept them. Yep. And then same thing with Dark Confidant where it's just like it only takes – like if they just printed the equivalent of a better than duress mm-hmm. discard yeah. spell, you're probably right back into Dark Confidant being playable. And Wizards makes plenty of mistakes. Yep. And all you're looking for is them to make the mistake that they almost always make oh, man. where they print something broken. Speaking of mistakes, did you see that new white card that got spoiled recently? Hmm. It is, uh, it's a two mana, two, two white. It's one and a white with flash. Mm-hmm. But whenever a land ETBs, if it wasn't played, you draw a card. 
Nice. I think it's opponent. Nice. I, I don't, I don't, Is that in the Commander Legends? Yeah. So you, I don't think you can fetch and give it to yourself, but you can in response to a fetch. That's definitely what White needed for EDH. Yeah. Well, there's because they they put two really good White flashes. There's the two mana two two with flash that when they search their library, you get a land into play. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one where when a land ETBs that wasn't played, you get to draw a card. Those are like for like whether or not they see playing like CEDH Mm -hmm. is you know always up for debate that's that's good but anything in that like if you're ranking your decks from 1 to 10 anything in that 5 to 8 category those are auto includes for white decks like now you're getting to that's what white should be doing is instead of playing catch up because your opponent's doing good things you should get to in some way punish them for doing good things now you wizards have moved away from stacks uh, from stacks so you can't like stop them from doing it but you at least need to have a really good payoff for it and Every time you fetch, I draw a card or ramp with you. Right. That's strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool card. Yeah. That I heard I now that you mentioned that, I did see that card. I'd forgotten about it. Cause it's all like obviously anytime a good white beater or a a white flash threat. A white flash threat, basically a hate bear gets yeah. printed. The first thing people think of is is this gonna be good in death and taxes? Uh-huh. I don't know if it will be good in death and taxes or not. Um, it's probably again right on the line of like, is it good enough? Like, if it was a three-two, would it be good enough? No, it definitely would. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I it's a great card like, for EDH. Like that can al- that almost fights for Spirit of the Labyrinth spots because Close. like Spirit is good that it shuts off Brainstorm, but this lets you go up on cards for their brain or not their Brainstorm, but their fetches. Mm-hmm. It's 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 getting close. Yeah, let's wrap this up. For at least legacy. Seventh place we got Blue Red Delver. Um again, we're not gonna spend a ton of this is this looks more like the uh um the no delver. It still has one. Um so this is kind of trying to find that sweet spot in the mid range or tempo. This has stifle. This is completely different. It has one stifle. (laughs) This has stifle. Like I would love to know. I'm not saying this in a like condescending way. I genuinely would like to know. Why you go one stifle over the fourth days? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I would love, I'd be very interested in, like, the decision-making that goes behind some of these decks. Stifle's more fun? Could be. I mean, in, in the funny thing, I would absolutely take that answer. Like, if you're just like, I want to play Stifle in my deck. Cool. Okay. I think, I think Stifle is a silver bullet card. Like, I think the world where you just Stifle the first, if you have one or two Stifles, I don't think you just stifle fetch lands anymore. I no. think you're in the world where you stifle ETBs. Yeah, and it's, I think it's just that silver bullety. Like it's basically a sideboard card in the main. You look at the, you look at Delver sideboard these days, and it's all one ofs and maybe some two ofs. All for elemental on the side because you just find them so easily. And so I think that stifle is just a sideboard card in the main because it just it hits so many things to like we said buy you that maybe one turn. And the well, the thing that gets me about it is this deck at least in spirit, is trying to be a little bit more grindy. And Stifle is just like the opposite of a grindy card. That's true. So so I don't know. It, well, but is it, it's not, it can be a grindy card if you play it like a grindy card. If you play it with the intention of hitting that Stoneforge Mystic or hitting that Batter Skull ETB or hitting that Flicker Wisp ETB, then it can be that it kind can of, be. That, that end game value that you need. It's just, it's just weird. It that, is. That's basically what I'm getting at. Like, and that's why well, I would like to know. Like, you heard it here first, Baco91. Matt said you're wrong. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm curious. To be fair, I'm curious about the, like, obviously, at least my thinking of this is, like, the mid-rangey Delver decks are there to beat the Delver decks. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, in sp- like, that's the primary goal. 
but like the decks just aren't even that much different. So like, is this deck better with three more Mishra's Bobbles and three less Telfer of Secrets? Yeah, this, I, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's what, I mean, if you look at this list, that's the big difference. Yeah. It's, we cut three Delvers and put in three Mishra's Bobbles. Yep. Which, guess what's Mishra's Bobble do? It's gonna, it just draws you the next card on your deck. It draws you the card. It does make your DRC <laughs> a lot better. But yeah, it's, these decks are, they change so little to fight for these top spots. And it's like, the you're you're gaining more percentage points on winning the die roll than you are on these small switches. Yeah. So. Sulfur Elemental on the side is pretty crazy. Yeah, I've never seen that card. fuck death and taxes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> three mana, three, two with flash and split second. Yeah. The combination you should see the combination that you typically think yeah. exists but yeah white creatures get plus one minus one yeah fuck your moms well so sulfur elemental is a perfect example of what plague engineer should have been where it's like it hates specific things it's not super uh it's not a great threat it's uh so what you're saying is a uh, plague engineer should have had flash and split second it's symmetrical yeah like yeah that's true a three mana three two that does have some powerful abilities, but yeah, it hates on a it's it's very narrow. Yeah. You only run it if you care about white weenies. Right. Plague Engineer is just a horrible design card. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's seventh. In eighth we've got which brand looks like it's just mono red. I love the fact that there's there's Painter is a Goblin's deck, Prison is a Goblin's deck, yep. and then there's goblins, goblins, which is a Goblin's deck. This is a Painter deck. This is Mono yes. Red Painter. Yes, it's Mono Red Painter. Um, just go through it, see if we've seen, see if there's anything we haven't seen before. Six class in the main, the Brea's Apprentice, which is, I see that bouncing in and out. Yeah. It's good card advantage and good, uh, threat production with the welders and engineers. Eh, nope, nothing, nothing looks particularly crazy here. Nope. And see, this guy's doing what I would probably do in mono black. He's got a couple of the Karns, and then he throws one grindstone in the side, Mm -hmm. and then a couple other, like, sideboard cards. That isn't entirely uncommon to see... To see one of the pieces or, or two of the pieces in the side, yeah. To which, so because now you get to run, you 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 have five grindstones in the main instead of three. Yeah. So that that's how I probably would, mm-hmm. probably would approach that mono black yeah, deck. If you're going to be running Karn, yeah, you need to move some of those wish targets to the side. Well, and especially like Karn's static ability is pretty relevant in it Legacy is. right now. Like it's very good. There's artifacts everywhere. Yep. So yeah. now, to be fair, whether or not he survives long enough for it to matter is another question. But like. Because especially if your game plan is to pay for, put him in play, minus to him. (laughs) But, like, you don't necessarily have to do that. Mm -hmm. So, and then the decks he's run, typically speaking, you do have some artifacts to make him a little bigger. Mono Black didn't have a ton. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, it had, like, all the... uh, It had the pithing needles. It had all the needles and whatnot. And again, like, throwing one... Well, it it ran a different card, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, Yeah. if if you're running Karn in there, you run one of those needles into the side so that you can snag that needle when you need it with Karn. But, obviously, it doesn't matter. They weren't running that Karn. Yeah. So yeah, wrap it up, Matt. That's How our we top eight. Um, metagame summary. Like we said, we've got that other, which seems to be a combination of uh, mono black depths and prison, red prison. Um, as eight of the top thirty-two, we've got blue red delver. Five of the top thirty-two, fifteen point six two percent. Elves and Jeskai can or Jeskai control with three decks in the top thirty-two. Elves with two. Sultai depths, which we didn't really talk about. What do you? No, I don't see it anywhere. Not anywhere high. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not <Gotcha>. good enough. <laughs> uh, then we got uh, eight cast and death and taxes, and then a bunch of one offs. Painter, Stone Blade, Oops, all spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, one madness deck. We do have a listener, Joe, that I know. Um, all the way in 32nd. 
he's uh working on LED madness. Yep. So congratulations. That's the first time we've seen it in the top thirty two in a while. I think he proxied it up, didn't he? Yes, he's got it proxied. Oh, a uh, fun note about proxies. I learned this. If you're trying to host an event and you want to allow proxies, um, I was listening to I wanna say it was leaving a legacy, and they had a guest on. And this guest had worked with a Watsi representative who informed him that if you want to run proxy events, he had to call them unsanctioned events with playtest cards allowed. But Watsi was okay with that. Watsi apparently hates the word proxy. Yep. But well, they, they in, were okay with him saying, we are hosting unsanctioned legacy with playtest cards allowed. In the Watsi lexicon, proxy is a specific card issued by a judge to replace a damaged card in a deck. Gotcha. That's that's what they use proxy for. So when you're using your playtest cards and you're calling them proxies, in Wizard's Eyes, those aren't proxies. Gotcha. A proxy is a very specific thing that's used one time. Mm-hmm. So if you damage a card or for whatever reason they did a deck check and you ins- you happen to have a fake one, like you weren't trying to hide it, yeah. they will issue you, you know, you could get, in theory get a proxy there. Most of the time, from what I understand, it's used for cards that are damaged during the event. Oh, like like if, I'm, if like I drop something on your card and dent it? Right. And so it becomes a marked card. Uh-huh. And then... Like, especially if it's not your fault. So, like, if your opponent is shuffling your deck and folds your tabernacle in half, <laughs> they Hurts. will issue you a proxy. Gotcha. And, and the judge will write on there. They'll take a basic land, they'll write tabernacle, the Pendervale, and you'll run that for the mm, event. Okay. That is what they refer to as proxies. Gotcha. So, well, it's, we, we run Pioneer Knights and we allow proxies. And yeah. that's, I've, we, I have updated our uh, terminology going forward that we... Allow play allow test proxies, cards. we allow homemade play test cards. Yeah. The the thing I don't like about that, and obviously we're in a, uh, like a niche subculture, but like proxy just means stand in. Mm-hmm. So like they they're kind of like taking the word proxy and applying it to a well, very the, narrow the thing other problem and saying is, no one else can say proxy. So when you say play test card, play test cards exist. Right. You can buy play test they're cards. They're blank cards. Yeah. That they have like the piece of paper glued onto it. Yeah. You can get play test cards out of like mystery posters, but. Anywho, if, if people want to host their own events, if if you want to help encourage your shop owner to be more okay with it, let them maybe tell them maybe tell them about that and let yeah. them know that Watsi representatives have okayed unsanctioned legacy events with playtest cards allowed. Yep, and well, that was something I had posted on Reddit a while back, and uh, I kind of got downvoted quite a bit for saying it, but like the legacy community as a whole needs to embrace proxies. Yeah, there is they're starting to. They need to. It's like, awesome. And that's the, the fact of the matter is, so like we were just looking at it, that legacy uh, LED Madness deck, that if Joe wants to buy that, mm-hmm. $4,500. Except? Except <laughs> if you proxy up uh, some Lion's Eye Diamonds and... City of Traders, probably. Uh, Tagas. Oh, Tagas. And some Badlands. Like if you get the eight reserve list cards the deck runs, mm-hmm. it drops down to probably 500 bucks or a yeah. thousand bucks. You're looking at, there's two grand in dual lands and there's two grand in artifacts. So if we remove four grand from that cost, it's down to a $500 deck. Right. And most of that is, a lot of that is uh, like Vengevine, 50 yep. of that, 10% of that's Vengevine. The wooded foothills are a hundred bucks. Yeah. Then you've got, you've got some, you know, you've got fetches yeah. and stuff like that, which most people don't mind buying that because it's, it's they see playing everything. Yeah. But like, it's almost impossible to get somebody who's never played a game of Legacy to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I'm going to, well, here's $4,500. That's how we got some of Pioneer guys to come in. They came over and they were like, we play Commander. So they have one of every card. That's yep. it. Uh, what do we, and they, well, they have one of all the Commander cards, but they haven't played Standard in 10 years. You know, 
we want to play. What's it take? And I was like, well, that costs, you know, two, three hundred bucks. And he's kind of like, oh, not about that. And it's like, well, just just print some copies off. Right. And the dude showed up next week with a couple of his friends and they all had, they had proxy decks. Yep. And it's like, wow, we got three people to come play our event with or without proxies because they could just they didn't they weren't required to go spend 200 bucks on a deck. And I guarantee you within if they stick around, um, which is questionable. Yeah, that always is. Sure. But if if they're still playing in two months, they're probably going to find a deck they like uh-huh. and start working on buying that deck. Yep, exactly. But if you go, you absolutely cannot play with us until you until drop. you've dropped six thousand dollars on a deck. Well, who the hell wants to do that? Yeah, I'll go play arena. Right, <laughs> yeah. and that's what they do. I mean, yeah. so I I was happy to see that. We're, I'm happy to see that a lot of the podcasts I listen to are talking more and more openly about proxies, events overseas, also getting proxy events. People are becoming more and more okay with the idea of proxies. I advocate them really strongly every time I talk about them with people. Obviously, I'm not going to be mad at anyone. If I sit down and you don't like proxies, it's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But, like, why? Yep. And, it, oh, it's like, your card should look good. I agree. You should get good-looking proxies. Yeah, you can. You, and there's guides on Reddit on how to do that. Even if I mean, I am okay with, if you get a color printout, I swear to God, if you get a color printout, you size it correctly, which is not hard to look up how to do, and you cut it with a pair of scissors and put it in front of an island, the black on the black, you wouldn't know. A decent looking inkjet printer at a glance, which all magic is half the time, you wouldn't fucking know. Yep. I I personally prefer to have printouts. Yeah, we get we get make playing cards. Yeah. Which are like... They're legit. They're uh, they would be good fakes if we tried to make them look good. Yeah. Like if you tried to like use the wizard's background and use like good images, you could make you okay make, looking fakes. Yeah. They they won't pass an actual inspection. No. And we always put uh, fake backs on the back. They'll yep. say like well, proxy the gathering or not even, for resale. I always make sure not, they don't even have the set symbols. Yeah. Like like these cards, if you looked at them for ten seconds, you'd realize they're fake. There's no yeah. set symbol. There's no artist anything. The back is the back says proxy the gathering and like it's black. Yeah. But, but, you, but they but the, they look very good, especially at a glance. And the funny thing is, they're not, they're about what it costs to print the stuff off. If you're using color ink, like mm-hmm. I've done it before, you end up spending about 20 to 30 cents a card. Oh, yeah. And that's <laughs> printing what they cost. them off. And that's about what they cost. And yep. then you, the cool thing is you can do the whole deck and it's just all uniform thickness. You just sleeve them up, you put yeah. them in. And then what I've done is I just have a collection. Like this, I first started using them when I had a, was putting together a cube. And like, um, I didn't want to dedicate a ton of money to this cube because it was some. It was going to be one of those things that sees play once a year. Mm-hmm. And I think we played it twice. Yep. And then I took it apart. And the nice thing is, is it's a one of kind of format, so I just threw all the cards in EDH decks. Mm-hmm. But I have just a collection of proxies that I use for like spare EDH decks, where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to buy a fifth cabal coffers. Yeah. Well, like for me, like I have, I have a Moldrotha deck, and I have a bunch of my dual lands that I don't like. I. I wouldn't take my Moldrotha deck to the card shop if I had my dual lands in it. Right. I I, I bought a we have a we have a potluck today and I brought a bunch of stuff. I didn't bring my legacy deck. Right. Because the chance somebody's there to play legacy doesn't offset the fact that I'm carrying around two grand. Yep. And all a spilt drink is all that costs. Yeah. Or it's like I get chit chat with someone and someone walks with my backpack. Yep. I mean I'd be bummed out to lose my thousand dollar modern deck, let alone my three thousand dollar legacy deck. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. We yep. got distracted. On Anywho. Things. Tangents aside, most played cards you've heard up here. Oh, ho, ho, ho. We've got a <laughs> top five. There's that mono black. Uh, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Leyline of the Void. Hey, now, we've seen Leyline of the Void be the most played card in a couple formats for vi- wildly different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> it was the second most played card uh, in Hogak Modern. Yeah, of course. Uh, even 
you know, Hogak decks were running it, obviously, because it only affects your opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's clearly because of the mono black lists. Uh, there's and sideboards. Like, that's what kicked it up. Obviously, yeah. it's probably one of the best sideboard cards against graveyard decks. But when you have people main decking it for combo pieces, <laughs> yeah. it's going to put it back up there. Uh, top creatures, Simeon Spirit Guide. So there's your Red Prison, among mm-hmm. other things. DRC, Murktide, Delver, and Fury. That's pretty so, crazy to see. Not only Red Prison taking two of the top five, but also completely unseating Delver decks. Yep. And that's what we've been talking about is that Red Prison deck is, mm-hmm. that's what it preys upon is Blue Red Delver and Elves to some degree. Yep. Um, which preys upon Blue Red Delver. <laughs> At least tries to. It tries. Um, top spells, Force of Will, Ponder, or Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Leyline of the Void. There Same you go. Same thing as the top cards. So that's Legacy. Doesn't I look think too bad. That, I think it looks great. I think that is a wonderful looking. Um, top eight and meta share breakdown a lot of combo in the top eight i don't love that but i'm okay with that though because like i said we combo was gone for like a month it is. don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not complaining it's this is one of the kind of top eights that i wouldn't want to see this every week mm-hmm. having it thrown in here as just like you know we have a yeah it's just part of the rotation is perfectly acceptable yep i i'm super happy about it so talking about combo in the top eight, let's hop over to modern, <laughs> where we've got one, two, three, four, basically four combo decks in the top eight, maybe five if you want to count Crashing Footfalls, but it's not really a combo deck. But So first and second place are both Hammer Time lists. Happy Sandwich brought it home in first place. These are both Azorius Hammer Time, which has become the default Hammer Time once Luris got banned. Running the Reality Chip, running the Giver of Runes. Ginger Brute is iffy. Not You don't see that as often to be a basically a better ornithopter where like ornithopter is usually unblockable yeah. i guess ginger brute's almost always unblockable and also has haste which is relevant the spells that we see i mean like blacksmith skill spell pierce and seal shaper's gift these are exactly what we expect to see yeah and then the artifacts where you probably see the most difference in these decks whether they're running the cauldra complete or the what's that three mana one Nettle Sis yeah, or, or the Swords of X and Y. Yes. So right now we have the Culture Complete, one Shadow Spear, and then four Colossus Hammer. And then pretty much everything else we expect. Yeah, but... There's, some... We are missing one card that I'm shocked to not see, actually. I looked over it. There's no Memnites. Yeah, I saw that. I really missed that, that we've... I don't know what we've replaced our Memnites with. The Giver and Ruins and the uh, Maybe Ginger Maybe the, the Giver and the Ginger come in to replace the Memnites. I, that's a weird... For a list that runs three Springleaf Drum and gets a lot of really explosive starts with land, Memnite, Springleaf Drum, uh, something else. Yeah. That's a really inter- that's, that's a really interesting choice to make to drop those out. Like that's one of the better cards. I mean, we usually see Memnite in the top five. Yeah. So that's a that's a pretty big decision to make. Second place list, see for Memnite. Yep, or got the Memnites. Uh yep, but I, exactly like you said, we lose the the giver of runes and we lose the the ginger brute and then we something else there's obviously a four of here but they just uh ran one oh the spells, creature in the other in and the, the first spells one. are way different though like yeah. we've only got two blacksmith skill instead of that the, the suite of these is a little different the artifacts is where we get the most differences though we do have the nettle cyst and the paradise mantle uh but other than that these lists are pretty pretty similar obviously there's like a lot of like individual cards that are different but all these cards do a lot of the same stuff. It's, yeah. These decks are very similar to each other. Even though I said you're losing the giver, getting the Memnites, um, but not a lot of difference. No, like no difference in strategy whatsoever. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest, uh, the most interesting thing is just that Hammer Time is back. Yep. 
that's more so like the decks and, we've I mean, seen taking first and second it's back yeah seeing the particulars of each we've seen a lot of that like shuffling the cards back and forth mm-hmm. but just seeing hammer time back yep. is the most interesting yeah, thing hammer time's been like below 10 percent, <clears throat> below eight percent maybe in the top 32 at all yeah now we've got it first and second and it's 12 and a half percent of the meta yeah so welcome back crazy. hammer time welcome back third place is a murktide regent list so we've got it basically is it tempo rocking the three ledger shredder in this list so we've got the drcs the ragavans three Merktides, and then three of this powerhouse Ledger Shredder that just keeps getting more expensive. Now they're up to, it looks like, $25, $26 a piece. Ooh. Maybe I should have bought mine at 15 Yep. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I, me too. I didn't, I don't know. I, I, people love it. I Now what I am happy to see is Ledger Shredder is honing in on a couple of decks and a couple of strategies. There for a while at, like, Ledger Shredder was in everything. If you yeah. ran blue, you're running Ledger Shredder. <clears throat> and Ledger Shredder is not Ragavan. Where if you have red, you should cast it. If you have blue, you need to have some payoffs from Ledger Shredder. Obviously, making a big big is decent, but he's so easy to kill. The looting is good, but you have to be getting something. You have to get real payoff from that looting. In the word of Dragon's Rage Channeler or Murktide, but yeah. just just looting <clears throat> isn't probably worth it, especially when you're looting away spells. That's what always amazed me about that is you're not just looting; you're looting away playables, and you put playables in your deck because they're good spells so you're churning through your deck and throwing away probably relevant spells that to me like there's two ways you could play this and obviously it's going to pivot between games you can treat him as a threat or you can treat him as filling the graveyard for murktide regent <laughs> and yeah. you're like i could see putting the first trigger on him so that he's bolt proof mm-hmm. or at least you know takes two bolts to kill him yeah and then beyond that, you're going to have to choose whether you want to keep stacking this guy up or like... Well, I mean, if you're building towards that Murktide, then you are stacking him up. That's Well, that's... Well, like... Well, I mean, you, I you have that, to pitch a card one way or the other. Yeah. And Murktide has Delve. So one way or the other, you're putting cards in the graveyard. Yeah, it's true. You can pitch um, lands and Delve yeah. away. And then there is the other case where you're you're pitching non-land cards. He's getting bigger. And then your Murktide, assuming you ever get him, is also huge. It's also getting huge. So, yeah. And the digging is good. I mean... Obviously, the digging potential is is decently strong. Getting to dig through an extra card or two a cycle is yeah. is strong. But I just it amazes me people are able to double spell so much, like especially double spelling and ditching spells. Yeah, but well, I mean, yeah, it's it's clearly it's clearly earning its place quite well. And then your spell suite is just a bunch of cantrips, control spells, and removal spells, just like in Legacy, actually. Yeah. Things like counterspell and Archmage's charm, unholy heat, lightning bolt, and then like uh, expressive iteration. Mm, nothing else interesting. Nope, nothing. Unless it's Hearst in the side, of course. Yep, card's good. I want that card to be thirty bucks a piece. Now that I bought mine for like five, would <laughs> be like, well, it, I missed out on Ledger it, Shredder. Isn't it amazing though? So Ledger Shredder is a rare. Unless it's Hearst is a rare. Same set. Ledger Shredder sees play in infinitely less decks because not only does it have deck building costs and that you need to make advantage of that loot, but it also costs blue. Unlicensed hearse costs colorless, and it's a fifth of the price. Yeah, and they're pro—I mean, I would argue they're seeing play in relatively equal numbers. Whereas Ledger Shredder is usually a three or four of in the main. Unlicensed hearse is usually one to three between the main and side. Yeah, and Ledger Shredder seeing almost no play in Legacy, whereas no, Unlicensed hearse is tons of play. Yeah, and it's crazy that they're so differently priced when. They're really similar, unless their drop rates are really different. Like maybe even the both rares. As far as I know, they shouldn't be. A rare is a rare is a rare. It depends on if 
in theory, there could be, you have your basic, they're both rares, and at that level, they're printed the same. Mm -hmm. If one got alternative arts and whatnot, and the other one didn't, there would be more copies of that. Well, I know that Unlicensed Hearse only has a borderless. Did I, did they do anything with Ledger, Ledger Shredder? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. No, they did. I remember because I think Phil Blackman picked up some dope looking Ledger Shredders. They have, a, they have like a showcase art. It's just it's just an interesting thought that occurred to me. That's yeah. like, yeah, these cards are really similar, and one of them costs five times more than the other. And I want, you know, what makes me wonder as I the train of thought continues is I wonder if that specs. Oh, I'm sure it is. I wonder if Ledger Shredder costs so much more because people overspect it. Yeah, and that's just and that's artificially driven the price up where people stocked up on 20, 30, 40 Ledger Shredders, and no one stocked up on fifty unlicensed hearses. Yeah, because like the fact of the matter is, Ledger Shredder's probably the better card. Maybe depends on the format, but uh, I mean, obviously, in Legacy, unlicensed hearse yeah, is a better card. And unlicensed hearse is definitely more flexible. But I think I don't know. It's it's it was, just it's it is very weird. It's interesting to see those cards. I thought we were past the days of like thirty or forty dollar rares being in print. In print, that's the that's, most recent set. Like that's kind of where I figured it would land. Yeah. Again, just like a month it's after, literally next to a rare that sees similar amounts of play in more decks is more splashable. And it costs a fifth the price. Yep. Okay, whatever. Fourth place, Yawgmoth. Sorry, I cost you money, Jake. Eh. I gave you some bad advice for once. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not. I'm not worried about them. Well, to be fair, you probably don't really need to buy them anyways. Nope. I don't. I. I'm buying Pioneer cards anyway instead. So oh, and yeah, for the price of a set of Ledger Shredders, I bought an entire Pioneer deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Pioneer works. Ugh. So Yawgmoth, this is pretty standard we see a lot of the same yogmoth lists although this is another one that is not running the what's that freaking thing called again three black uh garolf garolf garolf's messenger yeah um i was talking to emperor about it emperor is the person who uh they help uh one they're our patron two he helps uh distribute our podcast on reddit very well and he also hops into our discord a lot and gives us like a lot of like really good information on modern and it was it was that um like it was just so easy for these decks. Wow, it's been a couple of weeks now. I've forgotten what he said exactly. But basically, like the deck just leans super hard onto the Blood Artist because it's relatively easy for the deck to go semi-infinite and get it, and then just win right now easily. Mm-hmm. But like that was we, we talked about. Like, is that the only way the deck wins infinitely or instantly? And it's, yeah, it is. The uh, yeah, Blood was, Artist was it. Uh, what he had mentioned getting it back, uh, using Endurance to get it back. So if they oh, kill it, you can you. use Endurance yeah, and put it back in the deck. Think about that. You can just Endurance yeah. it back in and, and, and go get it. There's tons of there's tons of ways to search for it. Tons of times you're going to be drawing. I mean, like we said, if you get, you can easily go get like an Essence Warden, and then you are going infinite. Yeah, because that was our big concern is what happens when they just kill your Blood Artist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you just you go, just, you just Endurance and get it back. You Endurance it back, yep. And there's very little, other than uh, Solitude, there's very little Exile yeah. removal that gets played. Yeah, and if they're Solitude, they're probably Solitude something else. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Eh, you might save it for that. You might save it for that. But if you if you think you're playing into a solitude, then you would just draw your deck. Yeah. And then be like, oh no, I don't win exactly right now. Except, and, well, I'll <laughs> good luck. I'm gonna do a bunch of things. But other than that, like the grists, the cords, the elders, this look this deck looks pretty stock. I don't see anything in here interesting or new. Two necromancia on the side. That's usually not a card you see in modern. Necromancia, one black black. You name a basically choose a. Uh, you choose a card name other than basic land, and then you search their hand library and graveyard for all of them, exile them, and they get a 2-2 zombie for each one in their hand. Gotcha. So what you do is you make that dragon turtle cost three less <laughs> if it's an instant or sorcery. 
that's just where my head like again where you exile these cards and the initial thought is these cards don't matter anymore right well they still do because of that dragon turtle they printed in commander legends oh the new one yeah, yeah. where it costs less for each instant sorcery so or could, adventure in exile what you could do is you could necromancia yourself in theory <laughs> go get four whatever instant sorceries put them in exile and now necromancia plus those four you could even get a bunch of them in your hand that are dead. So you and get could, zombies. You could necromancy yourself, put them into exile, make some zombies, and make your dragon turtle cheaper. Is it opponent or player? Opponent. Oh, dang it. There Turn- goes our hidden tech. Turns out reading the card explains the card. <laughs> anyway, um, other than that, I don't see anything that's like... Uh, Phyrexian Crusader's kind of cool. That's a cool card to see popping back in. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering in what world you're looking for... like What matchups are you wanting Phyrexian Crusader against? So pro red, pro white. Obviously, it's good against a uh, blue white control list or a Rakdos control list. But like to go into now you're a, a two two, but in fact, like this deck is good at getting your life total low, getting you down to like eight life, six life, ten life, and then the Frexian Creator comes in, and now your life total is back to ten, no matter what. One of the nice things about it, it's one of the underused things with Yagamoth, is the ability to proliferate. So you can poke them with poison, and then proliferate them up. So you hit them, so you can, you can in theory... Yeah, you could black, black, discard a card and proliferate. Yeah. You could... It gives you some kind of reach. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then maybe that's what you need in those matchups where they're just stock full of removal. It, like, having a pro removal creature yeah. is relevant. It gives you, a, like, if they answer your combo, gives you a way I'm to sure. kind of pivot into something else. I'm sure as we speak, uh, Emperor is writing us a paragraph I hope on so. I'd love that, to learn more. Why it's relevant. Please do. All righty, Fifth place is another combo list. So we're looking at in the top five, four combo decks. Because I think you and I both consider Hammer Time a combo deck. Yep. It's definitely very close to one if it isn't. Yeah. Yogmoth definitely a combo deck. And Four Color Living End is also definitely a combo deck. Probably the premier combo deck of modern in terms of just like power, speed, efficiency. And it's um, certainly the most dedicated. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that too. It's it only it only reanimates its its graveyard. Like yeah. Yogmoth can absolutely beat you down with aggression. And Hammer Time is wishy-washy to begin with. Yeah, but it, thinks, it runs things like Nettle Cyst and yeah. Cauldra. It has backup plans. Yeah. This just puts all of its shit from the graveyard into the field. Yeah. Um, Two Colossal Sky Turtle. Other than that, I don't see anything new. No. Nope. It's the same list It's the same week. list we see every week. The because, lands may or may not change. It yeah. just has to be because it's you're very limited. When Basically, you're what Cascade. that means is they haven't printed another decent like card to reanimate. Yep. Pretty like much. expensive beater. Yeah, and expense with cycling. It has to be with cycling yeah. too. Uh, sixth place, another uh, cascade list. Crashing footfalls. So this isn't a combo deck necessarily, but it definitely toes that line of being a very mid rangey deck with a pseudo combo finish, and that you get to at the end of your opponent's turn make two four fours of trample. Yeah. So you get things like violent with things like violent outburst to go hit your what's the thing card again? Crashing footfalls. Uh, but once again, these lists almost never change. Very rarely do you see one or two cards be moving in and out of them because you're very limited to what you get to play. And once you limit it down to that narrow field, there's just a list of the best cards in the format. You know, Matt, the list of best cards in the format, like one of our patrons asked us to compile. Yep. And you said you would. And I will. Eventually, right? Very soon, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We have seventh place is an elementals list. It was kind of cool. We got vindicated by Emperor on Reddit where he was talking about like literally we, we kind of nailed it. The biggest difference people see between four color control and elementals is basically whether or not they run Risen Reef. That's like the distinguishing factor people choose to to label them between money pile and elementals lists. Yeah. 
So Elementals, we're running Risen Reef. We do have a 21 creature package, so this is definitely a, a bit of a meatier package with three Ephemerates, uh, four Eldamri's Call, and then a bunch of removal. Bolts, Prismatic Ending, and Holy Heat. Uh, I don't see anything interesting in the creature suite. We are running the Eternal Witness package, so you could technically go infinite with Ephemerate and Witness. Anything you see? No. Two Chalice in the side. Obviously, it wasn't good enough to beat all the Cascade decks. Yep, should have been four Chalice in the side. Well, if you're going to run 80 cards, yep. That's like, I, I have played, uh, I, I did play a lot of Yorion in Standard, especially. And I'll tell you what, when you're playing, and, and, and Historic, sideboarding just kind of feels like a waste of time. Yeah. When you're running 80 cards, like, you just see those sideboard cards so rarely. It does not feel very effective to be sideboarding when you have an 80-card deck, especially when you only have one or two to bring in. Yep, you just take out the the cards that are just dead in the matchup. Yeah. and just hope to get them, I guess. And sometimes, sometimes you don't. You'll lose to Four Color Living End and Crashing Footfalls. Yeah, and that's, well, that's the thing, like, when you're talking about statistics, statistics, like, putting in the two Chalice of the Voids, you don't have a very good shot at drawing that in your mm-hmm. in the game you play when it would matter, and you're only going to be doing it a couple times a night. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's in there, and yes, statistically, you can draw it, but, like, you have to play, like, thousands of games before yeah. these things, like, catch It's the same thing with opening packs. Like, if you buy one box, your odds of yeah. losing money are pretty strong, but if you buy, like, 100 uh, boxes, which is, what, yeah, which is what stores do, you can make money yeah. off of that. Um, well, it's just like we talk about all those switches with, like, Delver, and you're switching yeah. out three Mishra's Bobble for three Delver, and, like, you're looking at changes you'll see across... A hundred matches. Yeah, and you're gonna play eight. Yeah, that's that's why we talk about time, guys. Like, remember, you gotta get lucky. You yep. want to win a challenge. You want to do. You want to go eight zero. You have to also get lucky because yep. it doesn't matter how tuned your deck is. You have to get lucky, and they have to get unlucky. Because if you both get lucky, now we're flipping a coin again. Yeah. So putting the chalices in there gives you the option to get yeah. lucky. If you get the chance, you get the but... chance to rip that in your opening hand, slam it down, catch them. So 8th, 9th, and 10th were all Merktide Regent lists, which is kind of deceptive when you look at, like, you know, Merktide being 18.5%. There's only two in the top eight, but then you go 9th and 10th, and it's, it's a lot of Merktide. One, two, yeah. three. So we have four in the top 10. So it's a 40% in the top 10, and obviously those numbers get different. But we'll look at the 8th place list. Um, full four of Ledger Shredder. We do have some Furies in this one in the main. So the Creature Suite did get expanded a little bit up from, like, 13 creatures to 16 creatures. Maybe it was 12 to 16. Uh, the spell suite is very similar. We basically lost the Archmage's Charms in place of um, some Furies and another Ledger Shredder. We still have the Expressive Iteration, Counterspell, Heats, Bolts, and Considers. Uh, license Hearse in the main again, I think. I think they had a License Hearse in the main. If they didn't, it's a very common thing. The two Merktides is... Wait. Oh, I did miss that. Yeah. yeah. We were running three. Yeah. Now we're down to two. Well, in a traditional list, you would run four. Yeah, we used to run four. The Ledger Shredder brought us to three, which kind of makes sense. You're digging for them. You're fueling them better. Yeah. Yeah, cutting down to two, you're putting a lot more stock in your Ledger Shredder and your Furies to close these games out. That's an odd choice. I guess the Unlicensed Hearse as well. And two Blood Moons in the main. Yeah. But beyond that, sideboard looks pretty identical. So... Uh, meta breakdown. We don't have, you know, 30% being other. That helps get some more relevant data. We've got Merktide Regent with six decks, 18.75%. Hammer Time, 12.5% with four decks. Elementals, four decks, 12.5%. Affinity, three decks, 9.5%. And then we've got <laughs> Yogmoth, Blue, and... <laughs> three of the bottom four decks. <laughs> <And> they... <laughs> 
Top 32 is top 32. 29th, 30th, and 31st. Right above Boggles. <laughs> Barely scraping it in. That's awesome. But yeah, then we got Yogmoth, Blue Living In, Crashing Footfalls, and Omnath bringing in two each for 6%. Most played cards, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, Ragavan, Counterspell, and Mistress Bobble. Top creatures, Ragavan. Ledger Shredder is the second most played creature. 28 copies and 25% of decks. That must be where that price is coming in because I don't see... Uh, uh, unlicensed Hurts. Unlicensed Hurts in here, but Legislator in second. Omnath, Locus of Creation in third. That's a weird creature to see up in third place. Fourth place, Esper Sentinel. Fifth place, Solitude. And top spells, Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, Counterspell, Mistress Bobble, and Teferi Time Raveler, a card that not enough people play. If you thought you were done with Mishra's Bobble after they banned Lurus, you were magnificently wrong. I was magnificently wrong. I thought Mishra's Bobble got a lot worse. Now, in fairness, I... Well, to be fair, it did get a lot worse. I did forget about DRC entirely and how that interaction works, but I absolutely thought that Mishra's Bobble was going to tank in price and be not unplayable, but way more niche, and it's not. It's still in a lot. It is more niche, but it's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's not in literally every deck now. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say every deck. Every Luris deck, obviously. Yeah, it was, it was in every Luris deck, that's for sure. But Okay, guys, so it's been a quiet week for Magic. I don't think we really have a third topic to talk about this week. We're going to dip into Pioneer for uh, our patrons. Every week we do a patron-only episode. This week's going to be Pioneer again. Um, maybe next week. I did I did hit Matt a day early because we're recording early. Maybe next week we'll have... Um, Let's just pray for some catastrophe in the Magic. World, no, so we have something let's not do to that. About. What I was gonna say is, if next week, if we have a list of like pioneer staples or pioneer must plays, we might put that in this spot. We'll see. Yeah. But as for us this week, I think we're gonna start wrapping things up. I want to give one more final shout out to our patrons. We've got uh, Ramblin' Rogue, Emperor, Jarek, and Joe. We really appreciate the way you guys support us. I want to give a big shout out to the Planeswalkers podcast, Will and Aramis. Really appreciate them helping us get going and continue to support us and help guide us along. Uh, if you want to email us cantripcartel at gmail.com if you want to hit us on Facebook Cantrip Cartel on Facebook if you want to at us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel if you want to follow us on Instagram it's Cantrip Cartel sure however, is. however you search things on Instagram Just search it in there Matt did dumb I, memes did I forget anything no I think we got it all alright well, it's a little short episode this week but you know we're going to go enjoy our holiday and we certainly hope you guys did too and we'll see you guys next week yep have a nice night guys I'm just going to go simple. Uh, I'll just open up with a flood strand pass. Lame.